Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Welcome back to another episode, guys. How's it going? Today I'm feeling fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty great. Oh, wow. What is our episode about tonight? Tonight we're going to talk about some pilot sightings. And not just any pilots, but we're talking about Arizona pilots in particular. And we're going to tie it all into the Navy kind of coming out and saying that they're finally going to be taking these pilot sightings a little bit more seriously. About damn time. So why don't we start off with an old case and one of our favorites, to me at least, that's near and dear to my heart, and the big man himself, Kurt Russell, and the Phoenix Lights. The Phoenix Lights is definitely on the top of the list as far as UFO sightings. It's very well known. On March 13th, 1997, it was the mass sighting of a mile-wide V-shaped formation of lights silently gliding over the entire state of Arizona. The sighting was witnessed by commercial pilots, traffic controllers, and thousands of civilians. It was approximately about 10,000 people, maybe more, had witnessed this sighting between 5.30 p.m. to as early as 2 a.m. in the morning. A lot of people thought that this was a show. This was a display of the craft itself. This wasn't something that was just kind of hanging out and then vanished. This is a large chunk of time, and it was a huge area that it covered. Kurt Russell, when he was doing his promotional tour for Guardians of the Galaxy, happened to be on a television show and they brought up the Phoenix Lights. There was one pilot in particular that reported the sighting of the Phoenix Lights and kind of played it back to him and he said, oh yeah, it's a crazy story. My wife was watching a story on the Phoenix Lights one day when I came home and when they read the pilot story, it clicked in my head that that was me. So sure as shit, he checked his logs and it was him. He was the pilot that had reported seeing the lights. He took his son out to meet a friend and was like, I'll give you a ride over there. They see the lights and his son says, dad, are we going to be okay? Like, what the hell is that? And he's like, I I don't know. So he calls it in to air traffic control and they're like, we don't see anything on our radar. So do you want to report this? And he, you know, he says, yeah. But what's weird to him is that he completely forgot about that sighting and about him reporting it. It completely left his mind as well as his son's mind. They never talked about it again until that time where he was faced at it again when his wife was watching the show. And then it was like, whoa, how, how did I forget seeing this, not talk about it with my son? You know, a decade or so has gone by since, and now I remember, oh shit, that, that pilot was me. It seems very reminiscent to me personally about like mine and yours experiences that we had when we were younger and it happened and we just never talked about it and never thought about it ever again until like later in life. We were like, oh, holy shit, this stuff happened and we never told anyone or like never really even acknowledged it yourself. So it's kind of interesting to see that parallel because that's also something that kind of happened to us where like it's pushed into the back of your brain 
whether that be your subconscious doing it or let's say the extraterrestrials, you know, maybe doing the whole men in black white out pen thing mm-hmm. where it's like you will forget. But the mind's a crazy powerful place. And I think even if you don't have that knowledge, it's always back there somewhere. And it's interesting the things that spark it and get it to come back into the frontal part of your brain. It's really interesting to watch him talk about this. That was kind of also the first interview I realized that I wasn't a fan of Chris Pratt because he was not a believer. And I I just felt like it was so rude. I was just like, oh, no, I don't think that's real. And it's like, obviously, he was a pilot. He saw it. He was a commercial airline pilot at the time. And you're in the goddamn Guardian of the Galaxy, and you're going to have the audacity, like, during a press interview to be like, mm, I don't think aliens are really, like, a thing, you guys. Yeah, it was like a joke. He was laughing. Mm-hmm. What's even more interesting is that Kurt Russell's wife, Goldie Hawn, she was the one that was watching the documentary on the Phoenix Lights, which is a pretty good documentary. She apparently is an experiencer herself. Yes, she is. And I guess she wrote about it in a book. I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm like, do I really have to go and buy the book to read about her story? We might have to, although I could probably find it on Reddit. Oh, that's a good idea. You should look for it. But it's interesting that he had that connection of almost like a mind wipe in Mm -hmm. that moment. One thing that's a common thread throughout everyone's stories with the Phoenix Lights is that it had an impact on them. So he's the only story I really have heard where it's just you forgot and you blank slated Mm -hmm. because every other person, they each have their own version of what happened. And one thing I find very common is that people feel like time had stopped, time Mm -hmm. slowed down. They felt like it was conscious in a way, like they felt some type of intelligence behind it. Mm. And a lot of people, it sparked an interest in them. It sparked this feeling of excitement and wonder and joy. So it wasn't like just seeing a bunch of lights in the sky and they're just like, ooh, what a pretty display. Or like, ooh, like what if it's military? You're telling me that all of these people, no matter what their story was, at the end of the day, they were like, I saw these lights and they filled me with joy and I seemed very hopeful. And it seemed like something very smart was behind it. And they were reaching out to tell us something. They were very wondrous about it. Mm. It was like seeing something magnificent that for each person you could tell it touched them on that emotional level. Are you jealous that we weren't there to witness it? I I am. You know, I've saw, I saw the documentary eons ago. It used to be on Netflix back when nothing was ever on Netflix besides The Office and some other random show like Weeds. And at the time, hearing the detailed accounts of the craft that people saw, from afar, they look like just these little lights because that's just what the camera can capture. So everyone can go and you can watch it. But to hear the description of these people's stories of what they saw, this thing being so giant and seeming like it is hovering over their heads almost. Some people felt like they could jump up and touch it. It would black out the stars and in between the lights, it was like an enclosed light. They were calling it an orb because the light didn't expand outside of the the circle itself. Like it was an enclosed light. Mm -hmm. And that in between these lights, there was a ripple, like a gunmetal ripple. And one description that just made perfect sense in my mind was on a hot day when you're looking at the asphalt and you're looking at the horizon of the the asphalt and you see the vapor waves, 
that that's exactly what the material looked like in between these orbs. So I have a question for you. Was there a lot of footage, like whether it be video or like pictures or things like that for this specific event? Yeah. Anyone can go out and look at the the pictures and the videos. So what do you make of all that? So, you know, we have a lot of people who tell us like, oh, you know, you, you don't have video proof or pictures of this thing. Well, you have, what is it, like over 10,000 people witnessed it. Mm-hmm. I would assume that people would have taken pictures and videos. So why isn't the, you know, the documentation from this case something that's more talked about? It seems, though, that every year it does get brought up. I know in that Arizona area, it definitely is. Um, whenever there's like the anniversary, they'll do like a quick story. I know it was all over the news at the time. So it was a big deal. Of course, a lot of time has gone by since 1997. But there's still, I think every once in a while, there's like, oh, the anniversary of the Phoenix Lights. What's even more interesting, the backstory of that, Dr. Lynn Kitai, she is the woman that put all of this together. Her footage is the main footage that is out there. Mm-hmm. But an interesting backstory of her, she's seen these orbs previous times. She saw them two years ago. She has two other photographs of two different sightings that she saw in the same area. So her house was on a hillside and it overlooked the valley, which is when, if you type this in, you'll see that picture, the main picture of like a hillside looking over the valley where the lights are. That's her footage. So she's been seeing these things almost around the same time. One, I believe, was like late January and a couple months later is when like the mass sighting happened. So for her, it was extremely emotional because that was the third time that she was able to capture orbs out in that area. And of course, Arizona has a huge background of tribe stories and and stuff with sightings in general. Of course, I think we've talked before that there has to be some strange connection with the desert areas. Yeah, I think there's something, I think we've said before, there has to be some sort of like vortex out there or portal or stargate or whatever it is that, you know, there's something that opens up in this Arizona area and who knows the why reason or any of those things, but it's rather interesting that it's in this area because isn't Phoenix, Arizona not too far from Roswell? New Mexico? Yeah. Isn't that not too far from Roswell? It's like, what, 500 miles? That's not that far off. I think that whole area, really, especially Arizona in particular. Mm -hmm. But what I do like about the story is that at the time, she called air traffic control. They didn't see anything. They checked with Sky Harbor, which was the airport, which is where Kurt Russell was flying into. They reported that first they didn't see anything. And then three objects popped up on their radar. They didn't know what it was, and then it disappeared again. So it's something that wasn't on radar when everyone was reporting it, popped up, and then disappeared again. That's already suspicious. They called the military area. They weren't doing any tests that day. But then, of course, months later, they came out and said, oh, no, we were, like, testing flares or something stupid like that. But I also saw on another TV show, I don't remember what it was called, but they tested that theory out. And they did a whole bunch of flares at the time, and they dropped all at different altitudes. They could never sink all of the lightings of the flares and the droppings of them at the same time. And that would be just coming, I mean, that would be just like falling down from the sky. That wouldn't be something that is on all the same level and that glides over the state of California. Yeah, that's like hovering. Arizona, I mean. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. It'd be one thing if it was noticed in only one area, but this was something that was almost statewide, glided over people's heads. Every person that saw it said, absolutely not, that was not a flare, not even close. You cannot say it's a flare. 
So I think it's a really interesting story, and I hope to God that I could see something like that in my lifetime. Well, let's talk about, you know, about 11 years later, and this is on February 24th, 2018. We have two separate airline pilots from two different airlines claiming that they witnessed some sort of unidentified flying object flying over their airplanes. So according to these radio logs, they're pilots of a Lear jet operated by Phoenix Air, an American Airlines flight saw an object going the opposite direction of them over their plane. And so right now, before we even discuss it, what we're going to do is I'm going to play for you guys the audio that was released of these two planes calling in what they're seeing. There were seven one Papa Golf, go ahead. And was there anybody above us that passed us like 30 seconds ago? There were seven one Papa Golf, negative. American uh, 1095, uh, let me know if uh, you see anything pass over you here in the next uh, 15 miles. You know if anything passes over? American 1095, affirmative. We had an aircraft in front of you at uh, 37 that reported something passed over him, and uh, we didn't have any targets, so just uh, let me know if you see anything pass over you. Uh, I don't know what it was. It wasn't an airplane, but it was the pass was going the opposite direction. American 672. It's American 1095. Yeah, something just passed over. So, uh, like I don't know what it was, but it's at least two, three thousand feet above us. Yeah, I passed right over the top of us. Okay, American 1095. Thank you. Yeah, center to the 1755. Checking in 320. And uh, Delta 1755, Albuquerque Center. American 1095. Can you tell if it was uh, in motion or just uh, hovering? Make it out whether it was a balloon or whatnot, but it was just really beat the flight or so I had a big reflection on it several thousand feet above us going opposite directions. Okay, Roger. American 535, cross Tucson, and a maintain flight level 260. Cross Tucson, uh, flight level 260, American 535. American 1618, climb and maintain flight level 330. Climb and maintain flight level 330, American 1618. Was it a Google balloon? UFO. Flex jet 526, contact LA Center 133.2. So it's interesting because, you know, these pilots are like, yo, this thing is above us. It's going the opposite direction. It seems to be going quicker than our airplane is going, and it seems to be incredibly large. And it's interesting that it's not just one pilot, but it's two different pilots who are seeing it. And you know, air traffic control even calls in to this other plane like, hey, do you do you see this weird anomaly that this other plane is seeing? And you know, they're like, no, nothing over here. And then sure as shit, right after that sentence, it's like, oh wait, nope, it's here now. We see it. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. We have these pilots who are obviously highly trained people, right? You have to be highly trained to be a pilot. It's not like anyone can just like pick up the keys to an airplane and be like, I got this shit. I know you push a button and then you go. It's not that simple. Not only that, but, you know, these people who are spending, you know, thousands of hours in the air, like, I don't know how many hours you need to even, you know, get your license, but I know it's like there's a lot of hours logged that you have to be up in the air before you can get this license. They're obviously used to seeing 
other airplanes, weather balloons, yeah. whatever the hell happens to you, birds, just regular balloons. Who knows what the fuck is up, you know, at that high or what they see, but they see it all the time. It's not like they were like, hey, there's a weird plane flying above us. It obviously was something that they did not recognize. So you have to take that into effect because a pilot is obviously going to know what a fucking plane looks like in the air. They see them all the time when they're flying with other planes around. And if something's going above you at a speed that's faster than an airplane should be, going in a direction it probably, yeah, probably shouldn't be going in. A pilot of all people, like if, if it was like, you know, a random person on the plane who like went and knocked on the door, like, I saw something weird out of my window. Of course we could right. all be like, oh, you know, we don't know. Do you fly a lot? Do you know what shit in the sky looks like? But these are pilots of two different planes who are full-blown like, uh, I don't know what this is. And I know a lot of people, when this first came out, the first thing that the government threw out there was, oh, it's just a weather balloon. Again? So, okay, <laughs> if you guys know how weather balloons work, I don't think the weather balloon would have been going the opposite direction of the plane. Like, let's say the plane's going west. I don't think the weather balloon's going east. The weather balloon goes up or down, guys. It's not really like a RC car <laughs> yeah. that you could, like, you know, steer everywhere. Anyway, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Also, weather balloon doesn't go that fast. Also, I don't think a weather balloon is that fucking big. And again, if you're a pilot, you know what the fuck a weather balloon looks like. Why wouldn't they just call in and been like, oh, there's a weird weather balloon above us? Plus, they don't just drop weather balloons in every area that planes are coming to and fro. Our air is very scheduled. Exactly. It seems a little sketchy to me that, yeah, they were basically over an airport and you're going to put a weather balloon up there. They like, that just that. seems so ridiculous to me. And air traffic control would have known that there was a weather bloom. They would have off the bat said, oh, don't worry about that. That's whatever. They would have told them right then and there. Exactly. All of this really ties into the Navy coming out and being like, hey, listen, listen, America, we've heard your cries. Every goddamn TV show that comes out recently is about goddamn aliens. People keep talking about it. Fine. We are officially putting in place a new code of conduct for us to actually take these sightings, write them down, put a report in, and investigate it. There's not necessarily like an exact, here's the form you fill out, this is what we do, but they're putting in these new guidelines in order to, you know, at least try to get this information inside of a manageable, organized way so that they can go back and look back at it. A big reason that they're doing this is not necessarily because they're worried about UFOs, because let's be realistic, it's the government and it's a military thing. They're not going to like come right off the bat and be like, we believe in aliens, so we're going to check this down. A lot of the things that the U.S. Navy is saying is like, oh, well, what if, you know, these people who are seeing these quote unquote UFOs are really seeing like a Russian spy craft, right? And we're not taking it seriously because we're like laughing at them like, haha, you think you saw a UFO? But like, really, what if they saw something that was actually dangerous? And then like years later, let's say we capture an enemy spy plane and it looks just like a fucking UFO. And then like you have to go back and be like, oh, shit, all these pilots who have been warning us for years. What do we make out of that? So I think that the the necessity of the reporting and how they're going to do this isn't because of aliens. But I think it's because they want to document it. So that way, if something in the future happens, they can look back and be like, here were all the warning signs that we never looked into. But they did that a really long time ago. It was like the late 40s that they had a, a way to report their UFO sightings. I feel like this is something that they already do. And this is just another example of another drip in the process of disclosure. I think that we would be really stupid to assume that they didn't have this in place already. And I'm going to have to agree with you 100%. It smells very fishy to me that for years and years, we've the government has been very like, 
if you talk about UFOs, you're kooky and it's a phenomenon and like you guys are all crazy and we're not into it. But like slowly the government over time has been like, okay, maybe we'll take it seriously. They give you very roundabout reasons, but that would be very asinine to me to think that the a bunch of pilots reporting reporting something wasn't written down somewhere. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like they have to have it somewhere. Whether or not they are doing anything with that information, who knows? And maybe that's what this is. They're finally going to do stuff with this information and really look into it. It's very interesting to me that they probably have all this information. I couldn't imagine. That's like, you know, going to my employer and being like, I was sexually harassed. And them just like taking the information and being like, okay, but like not writing it down. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to go somewhere. Whether or not you do something with it, that's another story. But there has to be documentation. I mean, even just like with like the flight record that they released, the the audio of the people calling it in. All of that's recorded somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's probably hundreds and hundreds of these pilot conversations between the FFA and pilots talking about these different things that they see. All of that's on record somewhere. You can't tell me that the government doesn't have some of it somewhere. It's got to be archived somewhere. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's maybe, no way they just toss it. Maybe uh, the Catholic Church has it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that the government's always 15 steps ahead of us. If we're hearing something and they're saying it's just in the works, they're like, oh, yeah, we're writing a draft for it. I think it's been done. It could also just be another way to make pilots feel heard. They already know what UFO it is. They already know the alien clan that's in there. Mm-hmm. But it's a way for them to report it and to feel heard and like, okay, we're going to look at this and get back to you. Well, you know, maybe that's part of it because, you know, we have a lot of these deathbed confessions that we're getting a lot recently because we're getting to that age where a lot of these people who were around for these kind of phenomenons and things are getting up there in age. What if there's just like a bunch of pilots who are finally like putting their fists down and they're like, look, we've kept quiet long enough and I can't do it anymore. Everybody thinks I'm batshit fucking crazy, but like, this is what I saw. And so maybe it's just the government coming out and solving a problem because they have to. You know what I mean? And it's a quick, simple way. Exactly. Maybe their hands are tied. It's like, look, all these people keep fucking saying things out in the public because they assume we're not doing anything. At some point, you have to come out and be like, hey, guys, yeah, we're looking at it. You're good. Lower your voices, inside voices. Don't don't tell anyone. Yeah. We got it covered. This is now a government issue, and you can no longer talk about it. You know what I mean? It's definitely a way, I think, for people to stop talking about it and get over it because it's like we're already looking at it. We're taking it seriously. Now move on. Now we can stop talking about the pilot stories. Don't worry. The big boys are looking at it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a quick way to shut people up now or just not really pay attention. I will say that I would really greatly love it if um, a pilot would come on our show and let us oh, interview that'd be them. Awesome. So let's like throw it out there into the universe. Hey, universe of listeners, are you a pilot? Are you Kurt Russell? Because if you're Kurt Russell and or a pilot, come on over to us. Let us interview you. It'd be super fun. We'll keep you anonymous. We can even like mask your voice behind something to like make you sound like a robot when you talk to us. (laughs) But I think that'd be fun. And I think we could get some good information. Calling all pilots. Well, I'd really like to hear like Mike wanted some some pilots, you know, what they think about this new policy that's coming out of if they also just think it's a bunch of bullshit or like If they're excited to be able to actually finally have somebody tell it to, you know, like they go online to a secret government website and they enter in all the Mm. the details, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be interesting to see what's going to go on with all of that. So if there's any pilots out there, you know where to find us. All right, guys, let's get into this week's Factor Sci-Fi. So this week, we have a time traveler claims to have a photograph of a real live Tyrannosaurus Rex. A time-traveling whistleblower has come onto the YouTube channel Apex TV and claims to have traveled back to the dinosaur ages. And he even snapped a photo of a living, breathing Tyrannosaurus Rex. The unknown and unnamed man says his job is to time travel to different historical events and document them. 
He claims to have witnessed the Gettysburg Address and also the signing of the Declaration of Independence. On his latest trip back to the past, he said he went 66 million years back and snapped a picture of this T-Rex himself. He also claims that it was covered in purple feathers and not scales like we would normally think a T-Rex has. So Brie, have, have I showed you the picture? Yeah. Okay, so give it to me. Sci-fi. Ooh, quick and easy. I'm gonna have to sci-fi it as well. And you know, I, the reason we did this one this week is it's so blatantly sci-fi. But I thought I'd throw something fun in there because I saw it and it made me giggle and I knew that a lot of people would comment on it and be like, that's crazy. No, that's not real. That's so wild. And that's literally what happened. So let's see what some of our Patreons have said about this. J plus on Instagram says, uh, no, dot, 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 laugh out loud. And I asked him to explain and he basically said, if we're going by the picture you posted, then yes, I call bullshit. However, time travel is not off the table, which is important because I think we all do believe in time travel. Pinball Bobby says, wasn't there an episode of Sliders about this? And when I told him that I don't know what Sliders is, he made fun of me. And then I told him that it was on Coast to Coast. And he said that because it's on Coast to Coast, it's 100% true. <laughs> AP says, hmm, maybe. I think she middle bitched herself on that one. Yeah. Which is funny because you did not believe in Bigfoot, but you might possibly believe in this purple feather covered dinosaur from a time traveler. It's very interesting. I'm not hating or anything. It's just interesting. Adam says, oh, that's obviously legit. He time traveled to 1997 to use the computers of that time to make a shitty Photoshop travesty, <laughs> which I find funny. I like that one. Matt says, the areas of northern Mexico and southern Arizona were desert even then. Where is the foliage, trees, or even other dinosaurs? Maybe this is a glamour shot photo in which T-Rex got all dolled up and pretty in front of a desert backdrop to impress her husband. I'm going sci-fi in the actual picture, but fact of my own theory of a Cretaceous glamour shot. Jan says, we knew they had feathers since the Jurassic Park documentary. This is obviously old news. Destiny said, so I'm gonna have to look at his YouTube channel, but I think I'm going sci-fi. I mean, the atmosphere was completely different 66 million years ago, and I'm struggling to think that he could even breathe properly, laugh out loud. I believe in time travel, but I don't believe in this guy. And I'm gonna agree with that one. I think the overall consensus of this factor sci-fi is like a hard sci-fi. Total bullshit. Now let's get into our conscious quote of the day. Today's conscious quote of the day is by Bashar. All fear is a reaction to something you believe to be true. You don't have a feeling about anything if you don't first have a definition or belief about that thing, that circumstance, or situation. That's what fear is for. It is there to tell you you have a belief that is out of alignment with who and what you truly are. So I like that quote. If I had to list out my fears, my one fear that I have is of spiders. Like for real, spiders, for sure. But like, I think like I'm not afraid of death. I think that's easier said than in real life. I think when we all face death in the eye, I think it's easy for us to say we're not afraid of that until we get there. That's kind of raises an issue with me. So like, there, I think that there's two different things when it when you talk about the fear of death. I think it's the fear of your life ending, and then there's the fear of the actual death itself. I think I would be more inclined to be in fear of the death itself because I don't know how it's going to happen and what if it's painful or whatever. But the thought of actually like dying and coming to an end is not something I'm fearful of, which where I think a lot of people are. Yeah, because it's when you find out what is really the truth or not. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just want to stay on earth for a long time. So they have that fear of death. Whereas I think that there's greater weird universe shit gonna, that's going to happen. So like, I'm like, let's get to the end. Like I'm excited for it. 
Not saying that I'm just trying to like end it early or anything. I'm just saying that I'm not afraid for what's going to come after. Yeah, I got you. What's your fear? Banging, like loud noises. Mm. That's why I like, you know, I don't like guns and I don't like balloons. Oh, that's right. Yeah. like So not like necessarily like a bang on like a wall or something. You're just like more talking like loud like sounds. Like a pop, like a bang. Mm, that are sudden, out of place. It's a sudden bang. That's what a, a gunshot is. And that's when like a balloon pops. It's like a bang. Well, we know why you have that fear. We don't really know. We suspect. We suspect. But do you think my fear of spiders is because maybe in a past life I died from spiders? I don't know. I just think they're fucking weird. I mean... I'm even afraid to step on them. Like, if I see it in my house, I want to make someone else come over to kill it. Because I think, like, what if my foot misses and then it crawls up my leg? We've taken this quote a little bit too literally. The quote is really saying, though, that fear in general, most fears that people have is because they have a idea of what that really means. And most of the time, that's not really what it is. It's like we create all these things in our head of what could possibly happen from something. And it's all just thought it's all things that we've made up in our head i like that all right let's get some shout outs shout outs adam who's at von art 13 and he's also one of the co-hosts of not for everyone podcast destiny at destiny from space j plus at j plus on instagram matt at tiller for riller also check out his youtube we have the other co-host of the at not for everyone podcast and it's pinball bobby on instagram and you can follow their podcast at not for everyone podcast scotty at scotty doodle simon at outroversion ab at weather traditions and Jan at Good Bad Standard Podcast on Instagram. We have Vanessa at Vanessa Wendango on Instagram. Welcome to the club, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening this week, you guys. If you guys want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all social media platforms. And make sure you guys check out our Patreon if you feel like giving us a dollar a month to help us quit our real life jobs so we could do this full time. <laughs> Patreon.com slash that one time I was abducted by aliens. And then if you guys want, call into our hotline and leave us a message. You could tell us a story. You could just say what's up. You know, whatever's on your mind. Think of us as like your digital alien therapist hotline and just call us with your stories. And the phone number is 408-320-8481. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. We love you all and fuck you Mountain View, California. California.